Jeremiah chapter 5, I want you to look at um, <clears throat> verse number 1. I, I must stop again, I'm sorry. Jeremiah, I, let me just, again, before I run in chapter number 5, let me just say quickly, Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet. Most of you know this. Most of you know your Bible. You understand that Jeremiah was the preacher that they wanted to kill. They put him in prison. They wanted him not to speak God's word. Jeremiah was the prophet that was preaching to Judah. You under, also understand that when there was a division of Israel, 10 tribes had already gone into captivity. Jeremiah is preaching to those other two tribes, specifically Judah, the capital city being Jerusalem. And he's preaching to Judah. And he said, listen, if you don't get right with God, the same thing's going to happen to you that happened to Israel. And church, I mean, can I also remind us that if we don't get right with God, that we will also endure the same punishments that people have gone through because of not being right with God. And again, I think it's important for us to understand that this is not just literal, it's applicable as far as what Je uh, uh, Jeremiah is speaking to the, again, the city of Jerusalem specifically. Now let's look at now, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse number 1. It says, Run ye to and fro through the streets of Jerusalem, and see now, and know, and seek in the broad places thereof. I want you to read the next uh, one, two, three, four, five, six words. Let's say them together. Ready? If you can find a man. All right, so God tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I want you to go through Jerusalem, and I want you to look for a man. Now, I want, he, it's not just any man. Let's look at the qualifications or the specifics of what kind of man they're looking, that God was looking for. He says, if you can find a man, if there be any that, first of all, executed the judgment, that seeketh the truth, number two, and God said, I will pardon it. Now, I don't know about you, but that almost sounds like Sodom and Gomorrah. It almost sounds like when God uh, came to Abraham or Abraham came to God and God said, listen, would you spare uh, Sodom if there's 50 righteous? And God says, yes. How about 45 righteous? And God yet says, yes. How about 40 righteous? God says, yes. How about 30? How about 20? How about 10? And God brought this down and God said, listen, if you can find 10 righteous in the entire city of Sodom and Gomorrah, he says, I will not destroy it with fire and brimstone. Now, similarly, and God's not going to destroy Jerusalem with uh, fire, but he is going to send them into captivity under Nebuchadnezzar, which is going to be Babylon, and it's going to be because there was, they were not doing right. right. Now look again at your Bible, verse number one. He says in the middle of the verse, if any can find a man, if there be any that executed judgment, that seeketh the truth. Now look at verse number two. And it says, and though they say the Lord liveth, surely they swear falsely. Now again, in the context of what's going on, Jeremiah says, by God, God says, Jeremiah, go see if you can find a man that executes, seeketh the truth and will execute it. He says, find, see if you can find somebody like that because they're saying, though they say, the Lord liveth. In other words, these people that were in Jerusalem was acting like they knew God, but they didn't know God. They were acting like, like they were obeying God, but they were not obeying God. All right, now look, what it's, look what happens next, verse number three. O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth? Thou hast stricken them. But they have not grieved, thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive correction. They have made their faces harder than a rock. They have refused to return. All right? If you're with me so far, say amen. amen. All right? Hey, listen, I think one of the last messages I preached was 50 minutes, and I don't want that to happen again. All right? I'm a 27-minute preacher. We want to keep it at 27 minutes. Somebody say amen. amen. All the carnal people just said amen. All right? Now, I was conscious, if the Lord wants to go long, that's his business, but I don't want to belabor a point. That's what old people do. And am I old? Yes or no? Yes. We are going two hours today. I'm just letting you know. Right. You all are rude. All right, now listen. Jeremiah is talking, God's speaking to Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, you go to Jerusalem and, and you see if you can find a man that's going to seek the truth and execute the truth. He goes to Jerusalem, and God says, now listen, they're going to tell you they know me. The Lord liveth. They're going to tell you that, but they're speaking falsely. 
He says, I've already tried to discipline them. That's what he means in verse number three when he says, O Lord, are not thine eyes upon the truth. Thou hast stricken them, but they are not grieved. Thou hast consumed them, but they have refused to receive instruction. So what God's trying to say is, hey, listen, I've already punished them, but they're not accepting the punishment. I've, I've rung their bell. I've tried to get their attention, but they're not listening to me. What's the first word in the very next verse? All right, therefore, all right, so in verse number four, God says, I've already, I'm looking for a man, can't find one. I've already disciplined them, they won't accept correction. Therefore, now look what it says next. Therefore, I said, now, can I just stop for a second here? I think that this switches to Jeremiah, and you'll, you'll understand as we read the verses that, that are next to follow. Jeremiah is thinking to himself, okay, so we've gone through Jerusalem, we looked for a man, we couldn't find a man to do it. Then Jeremiah says to himself, look, look what he says, verse 4. Therefore I said, surely these are poor, they are foolish, for they know not the way of the Lord, nor the judgment of their God. Now I want you to read the first phrase in verse number 5. Jeremiah says what? First phrase. Oh, get me under the great men. Let's read the whole verse so we, know, so we know where we're going this morning. Verse number five. I will get me unto the great men and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of their God, but these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Now, I'm going to stop because we're going to read the next verse in just a moment because the first word in the next verse is the word wherefore. But before I go there, can we just, can we get the thought of what's going on? God sends Jeremiah to Jerusalem. says, Jerusalem, I want you to go through all these people and I want you to find a man. I want you to find a man that, that will look and seek after the truth and will execute judgment. And God says, there's not one there because they all say they know me and God liveth, but they're speaking falsely. And God says, I've already tried to punish them and to get their attention, but they won't, I can't get their attention. They won't accept correction. Then Jeremiah says, okay, they're poor and foolish, but I'm going to go to the great men. Now think for just a moment here, in the context of what's going on here, the word great is not like we use the word great. We think, boy, that's a great person as far as his personality. That's a great person because of his influence. That's a great person because of, of the money that that person has. But that's not what he's talking about as far as this word great here. The word great here is talking about those who are older. He says, listen, in the previous verses, God went to try to find somebody that was young that would seek the truth and do what's right. You know, I really believe that the morning Sunday school hour, by the way, if you weren't here, you should listen to that me the message in the Sunday school hour. I really believe it was about the young people this morning. This message is almost the polar opposite. Jeremiah, he goes into Jerusalem and he says, listen, okay, I might not be able to find it with the youth. Okay, so the youth of this day is living for themselves. Technology has taken us to a, to a, a farther extreme away from God, not to God. The excuse that I'll use my phone so I can read my Bible is a farce. People are not using their, their phone to read their Bible. They're using their phone to do uh, social media and to look up things that they shouldn't be looking at and doing things they shouldn't be doing. And I know it's just a piece of technology. We use our phone so we can talk, call and talk to people. But I'm just telling you, technology is taking us farther away from God. It's not taking us to God. It would be good for a person just to pull out a, an old-fashioned Bible that you can read and get close to God. And so this younger generation seemingly is getting farther away. Now, you, the younger folks in here this morning, I'm not condemning you because there are some of you that got up this morning and had your devotions. And there are some of you this morning that you came to the service to get something from God and you sang the songs and you didn't sit there like a bump on the log while the singing is going on and not participating in your worship for God. There are some of you that actually love God. But that's not the case in Jerusalem. So Jeremiah, as the man of God, thinks to himself, okay, this younger generation might not want God, but I'm going to go to the great men. I'm going to go to the, those who are older because those older guys, they know the way of the, they knew the way of the Lord. 
Now, look what he says about those older men. Now, I'm going to preach a message this morning on that thought on where are the great men. In verse number 5, it says, I will get me unto the great men and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgments of their God, but these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Now, I'm just going to tell you quickly because we'll hit it in just a moment. But when it says they have altogether, talking about the great men, they have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds, what it's saying is, is that at one time they were under the authority of God, but they have broken the yoke, they've burst the bonds, they are no longer under the authority of God. What's the first word in verse number 6? Wherefore, a lion out of the forest shall slay them, and a wolf of the evening shall spoil them. A leopard shall watch over their cities. Talking about, this is all in prophetical, talking about the Babylon coming over Judah. Every one that goeth out thence shall be torn in pieces, because their transgressions are many, and their backslidings are increased. How shall I pardon thee for this? Thy children have forsaken me, and sworn by them that are no gods. When I had fed them to the full... They then committed adultery and assembled themselves by troops in the harlots' houses. They were as fed horses in the mornings, every one made after his neighbor's wife. Shall I not visit for these things? Saith the Lord, and shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Go ye up upon her walls and destroy, but make not a full end. Take away her battlements, for they are not the Lord's. For the house of Israel and the house of Judah have dealt very treacherously against me, saith the Lord. Church family, we understand the end. We understand that God did not make a full end of Israel. We understand that Israel is in Israel. The nation of Israel is in God brought them back together even today. Amen. When he says he would not make a full end of them, God did send the ten tribes into captivity under, under Sennacherib, the, the, the king of Assyria. God did send the other two tribes into Babylon under, under Nebuchadnezzar. But he didn't make a full end because 70 years later that remnant would come back. Amen. But the thought this morning is simply this, where are the great men? Jeremiah really thought in his mind that the older generation had it together. Can I just stress how important it is for this older generation? It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman. I know this title, the title of the message this morning is right from the scripture. Where are the, where are the great men? But where are the great women? Where are the older men and women of God that you were raised right? You were raised in a home where mom and dad spanked. By the way, I don't mind using the word spank over the internet because I want to tell you something. I'm not succumbing to political, uh, this idea of we have to be political from the, from the services here. I'm preaching to the people who are right here. I don't care if the whole world finds out. The Bible says that spanking is not abuse. You want to slam your kid against the wall and you, you slap them, that's abuse. Spanking is not abuse. If it's done biblically and it's done right. And we have to be so careful about what we say to people. I want to just tell you something. There needs to be an older generation that is willing to stand for the old past. This is what the Bible taught us. And we've got a new generation that's coming about that are turning completely away from God because the older generation is not passing it on. Grandmas and grandfathers, you want to be so political when it comes to your children who are going the way of the world. Instead of just simply saying, that's not right. I'm not saying to thrust them away. I'm not saying not to love your children and love your grandchildren. But there needs to be an older generation that stands for the old things of the scriptures. Because I want to tell you something. God didn't change his mind. Amen. Living with somebody outside of marriage is still adultery. Amen. Killing an unborn baby is still murder. Amen. Homosexuality and sodomy is still sin. I don't care where you live. I don't care what city we're in. The scripture has not changed. So why do we as Christians, as we get older, we succumb to the peer pressure of the world and backslidden Christians. And so we don't want to voice and we don't want to share. But I'm just telling you, the next generation coming behind us, 
they are so off on their convictions and standards because they're not biblical based. It's all about culture and it's all about self-preference. I just want to tell you, God is not culturally accepted either. Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross and it's because they didn't accept his message. We don't have to be mean or mean-spirited, but we must stand for what the Bible says. Jeremiah makes three statements in that one verse, and those are the three I want you to notice this morning. He makes three statements about this, the great men, the older generation, and I just want to remind you as the older generation, and I don't know, this morning, I don't know what that age really is. I can guess. But the great men, the older men, the great women, the older women, look what he says in that verse number five. The first thing he says about them is this. I will get me unto the great men. Surely, I'm going to speak for Jeremiah here. Jeremiah's thinking to himself, surely they will make the right choice. Surely they will proclaim the truth. Surely they will hold on to the things of God. That's what he was thinking. Now look what he said about the great men. This is his perception of what the great men should have been. Verse number five, I will get me unto the great men and will speak unto them, why? For they have known the way of the Lord. But church family, I don't like it that the word have is used because that's past tense. But regardless, Jeremiah thought to himself, surely the great men, they're going to draw the line. Surely the great men are going to tell the next generation or the younger generation that this is right regardless of what's going on in Jerusalem. He said they knew the way of God. Can I tell you what this, the older generation, the older generation ought to know the way. Isaiah said, this is the way, walking in it. There needs to be a generation of older folk to say, listen, I don't care how chaotic this world is getting. I don't care how far away the world is getting away from God. It doesn't change the fact that Jesus said, I am the, he said uh, in Hebrews 13, verse number six, that Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, forever. Hadn't changed. He hadn't changed. You know, I want to tell you something. If you haven't figured this out, I'm guessing maybe your head's in the sand. They're changing history. I'm talking about the world. The world is changing history. And I want to tell you why they're changing history. Because true history is Christian. And they don't like that. And they don't want. Why do you think they changed uh, B.C. and A.D.? B.C. stood for before Christ. A.D. stand for, it was a Latin term, standing for in the year of our Lord. Is it any, is it any reason that now all history books don't have an A.D. Or, B, or B.C.? It's because they don't want anything pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. It used to be that an atheist would come and say, I don't believe in God. And I would just look at them, and I, this is years ago, I would just look at them and say, what year are we in? This is, this is 1990 A.D. And I would just ask them, what does A.D. stand for? I want to just tell you something. Everything about history is being changed because they do not want anything to point to God. Nothing. There ought to be a Christian that says, hey, listen, it still goes back to Christ. We're in 2021 because 2021 years ago, Jesus Christ came to this earth and he spent 33 and a half years on here and lived a sinless life so he could die on the cross so that all of us could be saved. The older people ought to know the way. It's the course of life. It's the mode of action. It's what we do and why we do it. I know that we're raising a generation that are being lied to. 
and, and, and the, 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 Satan is so deceitful, and being deceived about the Christian life on how, quote unquote, you can be born again, but not be acting like born again. Or you can be saved and not be so saved. I want to tell you something. I have eight children and I still have seven in the house. And I am determined more than ever before that if you live in my house, you do what I want. I know, Seth, you're scared. I'm going to call your name. I just did. 19, am I correct on that? Is Samuel in here? Or is he in a class? Samuel's over here. He, well, you almost didn't raise your hand. I see you over there. Samuel's 19. I got two boys that are 19 in my house. And I want to just tell you, the line's drawn in the sand. If you don't like the rules at my house, then guess what? Go pay your own house bill. Go pay your own insurance. Go buy your own food. Now, listen, I got two good boys, and I'm thankful, so thankful that they allow me to lead. Amen. By the way, they allow me to, because they, if they wanted to cause me trouble, they can cause me trouble. They're at that age, and they're boys. Amen. They got spirit to them. But do you understand that as a father... I want my children to be a good representation, and I, I know was, you might think this is carnal, but all of us, we want our children to be a good representation of the family. Amen. Like, you got the name Hanks on your name, then work. Amen. You got the name Hanks on your name, then show up on time. You got the word Hanks on your name, then make sure that you're honest. Amen. Well, I just want to tell you, if you're saved this morning, you're a child of God. John chapter 1, verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. If you're a child of God, then he wants you to act like him. Amen. So us as older people, we don't have to be ashamed. This is the way of the Lord. This is the way God, this is the way God's given us his word on how to raise a family and how to live our lives and how to spend our money and how to tell people about Jesus Christ. This is the way. Amen. I'm tired, I'm weary about, I'm bothered by this generation that's growing up that has no relationship with God, no conviction, no standard, and as soon as they become 18 or 19 years old, they have their freedom. Their freedom to dress like they want, go where they want, act like they want, whether or not they want to show up to church, they can skip Sunday school, they might show in for a morning service here or there, because they have no character. I want to tell you why they don't have character. Because it used to be a generation of the older folk where it wasn't just coming from behind a pulpit. It was coming from the pew where you had a mother and father that got up to have their devotions. You had a mother and father that nobody ever had to ask, are we going to church today? Understand here that Jeremiah says, I'm going to go to the great men because surely they're going to proclaim the truth. Because the great men knew the way of God. Look at the next thing in verse number 5. He says, not only did the great men know the way of God, I will get me into the great men and I will speak unto them. Why? For they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment and the judgment of their God. Now, church, remember that word judgment usually means the same thing throughout scripture, that same word, the English word that we use. It means verdict. It means a decisive decision. It means a sentence or a decree. Usually the word verdict is the one that is always the primary English definition for that word judgment. Now here's what he said. God said, I went to find me somebody that would stand for the truth and to execute judgment, make a verdict. He says, I couldn't find it in the young people. 
He says, I went to the old people. I went to the great men, the great men and women. I went to them because surely they know the way of God, but they not only know the way of God, they know how God decides, how God makes a decision. What's the verdict? Listen, everything about the Christian life is not based upon the church or the pastor. It's based upon what does the Bible say? I had a lady one time that she went to take a job, and they were asking her, wear, to her to wear things that she shouldn't have been wearing. But instead of saying, hey, listen, I've got a Bible conviction that I don't wear those kind of things, you know what she told them? My pastor doesn't allow me to wear those kind of things. I'm thinking, and she came and told me that. And as soon as she said, I said, wait, 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 wait a second here. Number one, I'm not your husband. I'm your pastor. And you have a Holy Spirit that dwells inside of you, and the Holy Spirit tells you how to dress and how to act and how to talk and how to live. You know why? Because he's the judge. He's got the verdict. Amen. He's made the judgment call. There needs, some old, there needs to be some old men that says, hey, God already made a judgment on this. I don't have to make the judgment. I'm just following his judgment. Right. Look, the last of all, he not only says, hey, listen, this older group not only knows the way of, the God, way of God and the judgment of God, Look at the last thing he says in that verse, verse number five. I will get, me, get the end of the great men and will speak unto them, for they have known the way of the Lord and the judgment of God. Now, the last phrase is what they were not doing, but at one time they were doing. But these have altogether broken the yoke and burst the bonds. Now, just a minute, I just got a simple idea of what a yoke is up here for just a moment. Uh, see, I don't have two small people, do I? Two small, small, small people? Not really, no, you small. Hey, Owen. You're small. Let me use you for a second here. I don't know if I can get your head in there or not. All right. All right, you're going to hold it. Come here. Um, Timothy, I'm sorry. Come over here a second here. You stand right next to him on this side over here. Can you both hold that for a second here? All right, now you're going to pretend that's over your head. What this would normally do is... No, I can't get it down. Normally, this thing would come down, slide over your head. This would slide underneath your head like so. Just hold it like that, okay, for just a second here. Now, church, let me think for just a second here. In Matthew chapter number 11, verse number 29 and verse number 30, he said, he says, put my yoke, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm to paraphrase, I'm afraid I'm going to say it wrong, but he said, take my yoke upon you, for my uh, burden is easy, I'm sorry, my yoke is easy, my burden is light, all right? Most of you know the verse, Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and verse number 30. God says, now we're going to pretend this is God, God says, take my yoke upon you. In other words, as a Christian, I choose whether or not I'm going to come under the authority of God. Church, I mean, when two oxen, can you, can you make a sound like an ox? No? No? Okay. These are silent oxes, all right? <laughs> but if I'm leading these oxes, oxen and I have a yoke upon them, I've got reins, this, this yoke keeps them together. This yoke keeps their head going straight instead of looking wherever they want. If I don't like it, I can turn them by the yoke. Because you know what that yoke did? It was the authority of the person leading the oxen. So when God says to the great men, he says, listen, you took my yoke off. You took the authority that I had. Now you're doing your own thing. 
You're not going to let me tell you what to do. You're not going to allow me to lead you where I want to lead you. You've bursted the bonds. You've taken the yoke off. And he said, that's not what the great men, the older men, used to do. So Samuel, I want to tell you, if you know, I think you know this, we are living in a society more than ever before when nobody wants to be told what to do. Why do you think we got riots and all the crazy stuff that's been going on in the last year? Why do you think that kind of stuff's going on? Because people don't want a yoke. Amen. I want to tell you something. There's something about the old people sitting inside this auditorium. There ought to be somebody that's still going the way of God. There ought to be somebody who knows the judgment of God. And there ought to be somebody who puts themselves under the authority of God. I want to tell you why. Listen to me, I'm done. All the high schoolers that were in my Sunday school class, would you just stand where you're at? If you're in high school and you were in the, in the morning Sunday school hour, would you stand where you're at? These guys came to my Sunday school class because we had a bus breakdown and Brother Green drives a bus and he teaches their class. And so they were in my Sunday school class. Brother Sister Johnson, that's why you better not take the yoke off. Brother Curtis, Mrs. Pike, Ms. Edwards, Mr. Ford. The way that you've been leading all of your life, you can't stop. This is the way of God. This is not your way. This is not the church's way. This is what the Bible says. The judgment of God, what, the way God sees things, not the way that our world sees it, not the way the church sees it, not the way of Christianity, the way God sees it. I've been told more than once, you can't speak against homosexuality from the pulpit, especially living in Lawrence, Kansas. Church, I don't care if I'm Lawrence, Kansas or Sacramento, California or San Francisco, California or whatever. I'm going to tell you something. The verdict was not by the church. The verdict was by God. Amen. He says that if a man goes unto a man, the same thing with a woman, it's an abomination unto him. They're not born that way. How stupid can a person be? I don't want to be too facetious, but I'm going to tell you something. How, is this, am I the only one that thinks this is crazy? I bring a baby home, and I have a birth certificate that says it's a male. And then when he turns to be 16, 15, 16 years old, he's been uh, educated by the public school that Barney had two mommies or something. And so now all of a sudden, I'm not a boy, I'm a girl. Go look at your birth certificate. How dumb can we be? But yet we as Christians can't talk about that. I'm just telling you this is the way of God. I'm just telling you this is the judgment of God. I'm just telling you we're under the authority of God. Look at these young people. There are replacements. Peter said, and Peter and John said when they were attacked by the council, they said, we cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. And I know these guys are going to make their own choices. And I know these boys, as they grow up, they're going to turn into men. And I know they're going to come to a place where they're going to make their own decisions. But listen to me closely. They cannot help but speak the things which they have seen and heard. Maybe seated.
somebody was trying to make a cutting remark to me. And I don't know that they meant to do it, but they were trying to. I made the statement that uh, when Brother Mark comes, Brother Mark Opsindek, when he comes to uh, uh, Topeka, that there are no two churches alike because there are no two pastors alike. And God uses a pastor in the way the pastor is. This church is like it is to a degree because of the pastor who's here. Whoever comes next will change the church to a degree because it's, uh, there's a lot to do with the pastor. And I made the statement that when Brother Mark goes over to uh, uh, Topeka that uh, I know, I already know he will not be, that church will not be exactly like Heritage Baptist Church. And I am fine with that, by the way. Now, I don't want it to be liberal. And, and there's several other things, but I don't, but at the same token, I don't want, it, it cannot be a carbon copy of this place because it's not this place. Right. You only have one crazy pastor, there's not, there's not two, okay? <laughs> and somebody made the remark, because we've started on the church in Great Bend, uh, well, your first church didn't turn out like yours either. They weren't, they weren't members here. But what they don't understand it is, you know why? Because you cannot help but speak the things which we've seen and heard. Brother Gray was here for 10 years before he ever became a pastor for 17 in Great Bend, Kansas. Amen. And we have a good relationship. Everything is wonderful. But you know what? The church in Great Bend, without him even knowing, he established a church like Heritage Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas, because this is what he knew. Amen. And all I'm trying to say for the old folk in here, is if you would just stay the, stay the way of God, if you, if you keep yourself under the judgment of God, if you, you put yourself under the authority of God, there's a generation that's watching you Amen. that God won't have to say, I can't find any young man or woman. And Jeremiah wouldn't have to say, I went into the great men and I couldn't find one. Way of God, judgment of God, under the authority of God. That's what God wants for every one of us this morning. The question is simply this, are you? Are you following God's way or your own way? Are you doing what the book says or what you, what you say? Are you under the authority of God or not under the authority of God? If you burst the bonds? No, nope, I don't. Get them off. I'm just telling you, church family, his yoke is easy. His burden is light. Amen. The Christian life is the best life. Amen. The way of the transgressor is Thank you, fellas. I appreciate that so much. I appreciate your guys' help. You guys make good oxen. Good oxen. Just before I pray, if you're here this morning at the beginning of the service, I said, if do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? Can I just tell you the Bible's the only way, only way Jesus is the only way that a person can get to heaven. Church can't get you to heaven. Baptism can't get you to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only one that can get a person to heaven. Are you saved? Do you know for sure you're on your way to heaven? If not, would you just go to the side, let someone take a Bible, take five, five minutes to show you what the scripture says about going to heaven. If you've not been baptized, come follow through in baptism. If you feel like this church God has joined, you should join. And I want to tell you the biggest thing about the invitation. How, you ever sat in a service before and the Holy Spirit of God spoke to you about something that the pastor never said one word about? Aren't you glad you're saved? There's a Holy Spirit that convicts us. Amen. The invitation is an invite for me to do business with the Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.